There we go. All right. Let's close Great. the curtains. Okay. Pull the door and let's sit down. Excellent. I'm going to grab um, some pizza. Hey. All right. Well, we'll stop then and we'll pause this. No, we're not stopping. We're, we're not. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, we're, we're not stopping then. Because we're going to stay. There's going to be all sorts of times to stop when somebody is leaving the room. Yeah, or coming in. So it's, that's great. Oh. All right, so. Uh, Amazing. I haven't validated that that's recording, but we are doing this. We are apparently doing this, which is great. So, uh, hello and welcome to the 250, your weekly podcast looking at the IMV's top 250 movies of all time. And uh, thank you very much for joining us for a special episode uh, on a number of levels. Um, this is the first time I think we've done a watch-along. We are this watching... is the first time we've done a watch-along. We should probably announce that ahead of time because we're actually in the process of watching this right now. We're watching Todd Phillips' The Hangover, the 2009 uh, movie from Warner Brothers, directed by Todd Phillips, starring Bradley Cooper, Ed Helms, and Zach Galifianakis. I think I got that one in one. Um, we also, uh, we're watching right now, if you are watching along and trying to sync with us, a Todd Phillips movie literally just appeared on screen. So that's what we're doing at the moment. The reason why we are doing this in a relatively unconventional way is because this is a very unconventional podcast. We are recording The Hangover while one of us is hungover. How are you, Andrew? How are things? Ropey. I think I'm still drunk. I don't know if this is technically hungover. <laughs> Just kind of coasting. But at some point, probably, in, in the space of this movie, um, I will reach a hangover. <laughs> that's what we're aspiring towards yeah. live on the air and there's a reason why we're doing this and the reason why we're doing this is that this is, is Andrew's uh, stag party, his bachelor party uh, we went to Carlingford um, and we kind of we... so right now Bradley Cooper is on screen we yeah, and he, he just said a word that we can't repeat on the podcast um, but yes, so we Messed up, <laughs> one might say. Um, but yeah, so this is that. When was the? Do you remember the last, the first time you saw the Hangover? Did you see the Hangover on original release? I think closer, close enough. By the way, I, I'm I'm eating a pizza. On my, on my, <laughs> on my it's, it's, we, it should be very clear. This is um, eight twenty a.m. Yeah. on the Sunday morning after what has been a very very long weekend. This is after like three hours of sleep. Yeah, on the second, for the second night in a row, uh, in many cases. Um, I was born under wandering star. Uh, got that excellent hungover voice. Oh no, it's, it's great. The wonderful thing about going out during the time of COVID is that you, you wake up in your horse and you're not sure whether it's something you need to be worried about. Exactly. We, we don't condone our own behavior. <laughs> to be absolutely clear. Um, but yes, so we thought that we would mark the occasion. This is, again, very typical of, of the relationship that we have on the podcast, where a couple of weeks ago, Andrew's like, we should record an episode <laughs> on during, during this stag weekend. It should be The Hangover, which has featured on the IMG 250 in the past, the rare comedy to do so, and never mentioned it again to me. So when I was packing up, um, the wonderful Andy Mellowish, who I think has been a guest on the podcast before, noticed that I was packing a lot of microphones. And he was like, why are you doing that? And I'm like, Andrew said we might record an episode. He hasn't mentioned it since. <laughs> There's been no textual correspondence between the I two of us. I also packed a lot of microphones. <laughs> yeah. But what, what happened? I hope, I hope the, like, I figure the audio will be... Questionable. Yeah. Questionable is probably the best way to phrase it. It's funny, I want to curse more. <laughs> <laughs> now, more than ever. Um, but, yeah, so we basically... This eat... is the brother-in-law. Zach Galifianakis. Zach Galifianakis? 
Okay. okay. Yeah. We're going to be saying that a lot. We are indeed. I need to get that right. <laughs> but this was very much kind of the breakout role for the actor. He had appeared, I believe, on the TV show True Calling, starring Elijah Dushka for two seasons. But this is very much his kind of breakout role. He'd been known as... He had a TV show as well. Was it on, like, HBO? Oh, are you talking about Baskets, is it? Or was no, it no, no. Uh, as in, he, he had... He oh, was a, a host. Oh. No, no, no. He, he was a, uh, years and years ago, without a beard, he was ah. a host of, like, a uh, talk show. And... He didn't have very many guests. He he would often have like friends of his <laughs> that you could tell that something's <laughs> happened just by the yeah, We're looking at Zach Galifianakis's underpants. Well, <laughs> and, and what are what exist of them anyway? Yeah. Besides, you're not just my wife's brother. You're but my brother um, now. yeah, no. So so and again, this is this is where Phillips kind of came along. This is something I can't relate to. Where it's 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 the like odd brother-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things where every friend group has one and if you can't point them out you are possibly that one <laughs> um, but yeah um, every every friend group has an eccentric character and, and it tends to be I mean the, I love um, I love Zach's um, stand up his appearances on podcasts so uh, I, between two but friends. I wasn't aware of him um, Until this came Yeah. Well, I mean, that was that, that was kind of the big. This was his big break, and you had this thing afterwards where Hollywood didn't know what to do with him because he had done this so well. So you end up with things like Phillips goes on and directs him in Judy. Judy. Yeah. Um, you have things like the Candidate. Is it the can? What's the one with Will Ferrell? Yes. Yeah. Keep yeah. Mind, uh, we have done. I've done very little research for this, so this is going to be a very <laughs> off the cuff, extemporaneous episode where I will forget things like the title of the political commentary, the political comedy starring Zach Galifianakis and Will Ferrell. But yeah, Hollywood never really so, seemed to figure out what to do with him. Right now, Jeffrey Tambor is showing um, the groom, who we don't see much. Uh, Justin Bartha. Yeah. Who had worked with Phillips, I believe, on an MTV pilot called Dustin and Justin, a satire of uh, entertainment news programs. Jeffrey Tambor, who uh, we probably won't be talking about a lot on this episode. <laughs> uh, He's showing him the Mercedes, and, and the, the equivalent of the Mercedes for me is a, a pochine recipe. My, uh, <laughs> Your father-in-law has promised. Yeah. Yes, uh, and it's good pochine. I don't drink, uh, which is <laughs> why I'm the only person down here with Andrew right now. Um, after the night in question, everybody last night was very enthusiastic. Everybody this morning is not here. Um, but yeah, the, the pochine recipe is what you've been promised. Now, to be fair, I would hope that you'll bring the pochine home in a more satisfying way. Um, but yeah, so basically, um, the the story behind the Hangover is that it was. Uh, Script that had been pitched, I believe, a producer named Jack Bender, which is a great name for a man pitching a movie called The Hangover, um, had gone to uh, his friend Stag in Vegas. They had lost the groom, much as you said. The groom woke up in a strip club being threatened by a large bouncer and a bill that was incredibly exorbitant. Bender took the script to uh, Warner Brothers. Well, he took the script to New Line. And Bob Shea, the man responsible for uh, the Lord of the Rings movies, uh, visionary producer, one of the most influential Hollywood producers of all time, said you can make it on the condition that you call it what happens in Vegas. The only problem is Las Vegas had copyrighted the phrase what happens in Vegas. <laughs> so it turns out that what happens in Vegas did in fact stay in Vegas. Uh, but it came Wasn't in... there like a Natasha Bedingfield song? Oh no, I think that was called something else. And there was no <laughs> movie called Whatever Happens in Vegas. What happens, they did eventually get it for Cameron Diaz Aston Kutcher. Yeah, vehicle. that's what I was thinking. Yeah. But that's why, a... why throw it away on the Cameron, <laughs> on the Cameron Diaz vehicle? 
Do you really want? Yeah, I think you know <laughs> the answer to that. You've got Cameron Diaz money. You can there afford to pay still people who are like, yeah, she's just had a little bit of bad luck. She's not a bad actress. Like, yes, she's bad in these movies, but like, she's not a reflection on, on her. <laughs> We don't have time to talk about the counselor. Uh, at the moment, uh, Ed, Ed uh, not Ed Harris, Ed Helms. This is why I mostly work from notes. Ed Helms' character still And he is, has teeth. At this point in the movie, a dentist. Darren, um, when I was 10 years of age, um, <laughs> myself and my brother were playing cops and robbers. And I had these plastic handcuffs on behind me. My brother was, was guarding the jail and his back was turned. And as you do when you're an inmate, you try to escape whatever chance you have. So I tried to run away. I was trying to undo these plastic handcuffs behind my back while running away. Johnny has admitted that he did trip me <laughs> and my face fell into a pebble dash wall. I have just realized that the charger's not turned on. I'm going to nip over and do that now. Oh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> this is why I'm... So I don't know if this is still recording. I hope Andrew's uh, app is still recording. <laughs> I love Ed Hams in that, where he goes to kiss her, she turns away, and he just kisses her shoulder. <laughs> but again, the resignation of it all. I mean, the, yeah, the thing is, so this is this is Todd Phillips' kind of big break. He'd done a bunch of work before. Obviously, Old School had been his probably biggest hit to that point. <laughs> <laughs> Zach Galifianakis is, is <laughs> confronting a kid in a car next to him, which I think is very much kind of, again, fitting with the, uh, the kind of character Alan has established in the movie. Alan, probably the, the movie's breakout character, it seems Absolutely. safe to say. I feel like Bradley Cooper, like... Um, gets a lot of shine from this movie too. Oh, absolutely! Because he's very handsome. <laughs> no, and like charismatic, like yeah. it's kind of like, you know, he's in the back scene here, but you're kind of like, what? Um, you know, you're like, what about we make a movie where he sits in the front? <laughs> and Hollywood's like, I don't know, he's handsome, but is he front seat handsome? I, the thing I love about Bradley Cooper was that story about somebody like in a podcast, I think it was The Nerdist or something, making fun of inside the actor's studio and of the actor's studio and saying, like, what, you're going to have... What it, like, <laughs> you, none, of the, <laughs> none, <laughs> none of these actors are ever going to amount to anything. It's so stupid. What, you're going to have some person, like interrupt like an interview with Sean Penn and, <laughs> and it turns out to be uh, you know it turns out to be some future superstar that's, the, the way things work now is that everything like can be um, played back kind <laughs> of, captured a, on the against exists. the video <laughs> of Bradley Cooper asking Sean Penn questions <laughs> inside the actor's studio uh, well, again, like the thing with Cooper is, Co is Cooper had been around Hollywood for a while. He'd been playing mostly best friend roles, perhaps like Jim Carrey's Yes Man, I think is probably. He was in uh, Alias, wasn't he? He was for yeah. a while, which is great as well. And like, again, Hollywood never really knew what to do with him. And I think, again, he struck up a friendship uh, he, with Phillips. I he was also friends with Zach Galifianakis. He, he was on that um, kind of chat show um, uh, as a guest. Yeah. Uh, um, of Zach Galifianakis where it's like 
Next on the Zach Galifianakis chat show, somebody you've also not heard of. <laughs> Bradley Cooper. If you don't know me, you'll probably not also know this <laughs> other guy who's my friend. Um, but yeah, so, so I again, swear he's an actor. <laughs> he is absolutely, definitely an actor. But again, like the thing is that like when the script went through Hollywood, there were again various plans where they wanted to make a movie where, for example, the Alan role, who was originally written as the younger brother. Uh, was rewritten as the older brother, and they wanted to get Thomas Hayden Church, uh, fresh off the success of Sideways. Um, there's you wanted Jake Gyllenhaal um, to play the I role. I feel like of... Bradley Cooper is giving us a lot of like Thomas Hayden Church energy. Yes, I, I quite like the extent to which that the Bradley Cooper character here is, and it's all because I can't remember his name. Um, I know that Stu is Ed Helms is Stu, and I know that uh, Zach Galifianakis is Alan. Who is Bradley Cooper? We should be paying more attention. To uh, but the Cooper we character. Need to turn it up. Uh, do we? Yeah. All right. Teams. Who wants to be my spotter? <laughs> I don't think you should be doing too much gambling. I love this Alan. kind of like. Um, Who's anything uh, about gambling? It's not gambling when you know you're going to win. Counting cards is a poker system. Um, and the kind of like the learning to card count. Yeah. Frowned upon. Like. All right. I'm also going to turn on subtitles. This is our first time doing this, so. Please be gentle. Uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe after 9-11 where everybody gets so sensitive. All right, sorry. Um, Thanks right, a lot, so Bin Laden. Okay, and it's, the <laughs> subtitles are not working. Um, again, I should have rehearsed more of this ahead of time. We, we should mention that, like, the first time on... Thanks a lot, Bin Laden. <laughs> we should mention, by the way, the first time that this was suggested um, on the stag. It was 11 p.m. last night when Andrew leans across the table to me and says, so I'm thinking 8.15 tomorrow morning. <laughs> and I'm like, and then I, I went around and like said to every, everybody at the stag, and they were like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so, so far. <laughs> Myself and Andrew are the only people here. We have heard so far, just the two of us. We have heard footsteps upstairs, but I do believe that... Uh, if Johnny's... anyone was wondering, that was a chili flake. <laughs> that, that caused that reaction. <laughs> I'm not aware of anything. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we have heard movement upstairs, but I think people are now actively avoiding it. Zach Galifianakis was in the music video for this. I, I, was this related to the movie or was this beforehand? I think they, they, they had already had a music video and then they re-recorded a music video. Um, or maybe it was released on the album and then they released it as a single with um, Zach Galifianakis. Uh, doing promo, kind of like Robert Downey Jr. on. It's an amazing, um, uh, like, th this isn't a normal episode. <laughs> we won't be doing a big bit afterwards <laughs> where we recommend things. So I'll go ahead and recommend that. It's uh, kind of like whatever people think about Kanye West. <laughs> 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 Kanye West and Zach Galifianakis. Um. He, he, yeah, yeah. Zach is in the music video for, um, I forget what it's called. It's like, um, oh, no, no, no. Uh, Wait, like, get my money. Um, by by Kanye West. I think that's what it's called. Wait, like, get my money. Anyway, uh, worth noting as well that this is a movie that has a very sizable cultural footprint. It was the seventh highest-grossing movie of the year at the American box office of two thousand nine, outgrossing Star Trek, for example. The tenth highest-grossing movie of two thousand nine, the global box office. And there's nobody in it. Yeah. Well, that was the, that was the deal with with uh, Phillips. Phillips went to Warner Brothers, he rewrote the script from scratch. Uh, Cooper, who is very much Phillips' guy, has gone and said, look, what you see in the movie is all from Phillips' rewrite. Phillips brought the script to Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers said, 
Well, look, we have notes in it. You can't do stuff with the baby, for example. That stuff has to go. Audiences won't react to it. Uh, we also want you to soften the character of Alan. He's too abrasive. Audiences won't respond to him. <laughs> and Phyllis was like, okay, what is the figure that I get to make the movie that I want to make? No studio notes, and you guys will still make a profit on it, and therefore we can do what we want. And they were like, okay, we will half the budget, and we will half your directorial fee, but in response, you will get uh, 3%, I think, off the back end of gross. Apparently... Phillips made $70 million on top of this movie, like just, uh, just on top of its financial success. And uh, just the reason why I mention that is because the sequence we just watched where they're checking into the hotel, and you have the moment where two of the most quotable lines in the movie, so did the real Caesar live here? Um, and uh, did, do you get pager service here? Which are apparently lines that staff at the real Caesar Palace get to this day. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, so uh, yeah, at this point they have just... Most of the money was spent on this suite that they're just yeah. checking into. <laughs> <laughs> and which is barely used or barely featured in the film. They built a, they did build a standing set for this, uh, I believe, as well. So they were able to actually obviously trash it and stuff like that. A lot of it was shot in Las Vegas over, I believe, 15 days. By the way, any facts that Darren gives you in this episode, double-check them, because he's not <laughs> reading for notes. Um, but I believe it was shot in Nevada over 15 days. To give an example, or counter-example, the sequel was shot in Thailand over three months. So that's the kind of like shift in production that we have here. But again, this is a very low-budget film. Nobody expected it to do well at all. Nobody expected it to have any legs or to have any breakout success. Warners were like, look, it's a cheapie, and we'll make our money back on rentals at some point in the future. I find it fascinating because this becomes the future of American comedy. This is released the same year as uh, Will Ferrell's Land of the Lost which is a massive box office bomb, and which, according to Hollywood studio legend, the money that was paid to each of the three leads, which I believe was $300,000 each, uh, roughly covered Farrell's expenses on Land of the Lost. Not his salary, um, not anything to do with the movie's budget, but the amount that he wrote off uh, in terms of, I just threw money at stuff. Um, I mean, everybody got a sequel bump, uh, for, sorry, for the, for the Hangover 2. Everybody got bumped so, like, up to... Expenses is like trailers... <laughs> No, no. Uh, crafty. Uh -huh. No, more like, yeah, more like I'd sent the assistant out to get coffee. Kind yeah. Of yeah, yeah. Like the trailer is a Sorry, thing. sorry. Yeah. I, I, I say, when I say trailer, I mean like double bangers. <laughs> no, no, not like the promo. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Uh, but like, I, I think even that stuff is covered specifically. I think this is like the, it's discretionary kind of expenses where the thing is like, no, I just went to the studio and I had 300000 $900,000 I needed to account for. And that's, <laughs> they just threw it at me. But yeah, so the guys each got paid 300000 for the first one, and I believe $5 million each for the second one. Uh, even Mike Tyson, uh, who we will probably end up talking about later on in the movie, got his own sequel bump. He got bumped up from 100000 for his cameo in this movie to 200000 for his cameo in the sequel. But, according to Tyson, the best part about the sequel isn't the money he got. It's that his face tattoo appeared on Ed Helms uh, on the poster. It was like, the value that adds to my brand. Um, <laughs> Is worth far more than the three hundred grand that I made for the two movies together. But no, and I mean, and again, it's it's like it's watching this. It's absurd that Hollywood was ever like Bradley Cooper, maybe, because <laughs> he's just wearing the, this suit and he just he looks absolutely fabulous. And you're like, yeah, that's a leading man. Yeah, he can do anything. He's limitless. <laughs> Thank you, Andrew. He could even appear on the NBC TV show Limitless, but maybe once or twice a season, um, not as a not as a full fledged regular. So does Joy Behar. That is, I believe, Phillips' cameo, if I'm not That's mistaken. That's Todd Phillips. Yeah. 
uh, in the lift there, um, engaging in oral sex. That is that is him for this movie, I believe. <laughs> and again, uh, we're going to assume there's no spoilers on for this movie. We're going to talk freely about it. We're yeah. hoping that you are not watching The Hangover for the first time with our voices playing over it. Um, although, if, if you do model it off, we respect you. Um, I kind of love that, like, on top of functioning as a comedy, it works relatively well as a neo-noir kind of mystery, where obviously the premise is that they, as Bradley Cooper revealed in the cold open, they lost the groom. Uh, I quite like that the place where they lost the groom is established as literally the first place that they visit on the night out, uh, where it will turn out that he is still on the roof. After all of their misadventures uh, that they have, I feel like he could have gone back to the roof. Right? Oh no, he did. He does. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, he, yeah. he does go back to the roof. But I like the again. It's a nice little illustration of the kind of circle that we end up going round in, where nothing, nothing really matters. The adventure is completely pointless. It's completely closed off. I mean, you have the the moment here where Phil, that's the character played by uh, Bradley Cooper, where Phil talks about how this is a night that we will always remember, even though it's a night that we will collectively forget. So, you know, you have, like, not to put too fine a point or over-intellectualize the hangover. It has a theme. <laughs> it has a fairly consistent point that it's making, uh, which I think is nice. And, of course, we got the famous Wolfpack speak cheer coming up as well. Hello. Hello. How about that ride in? <laughs> That's why they call it Sin City. <laughs> you guys might not know this, but I consider myself a I... bit of a loner. <laughs> I tend to think of myself as a one-man wolf pack. I think Galifianakis is... I mean, like, not, to, not... You know, again, the hot takes on the 250. Galifianakis is incredible here. Um, right, but, like, he's doing kind of his delivery yeah. of... Um, uh, what could be a more standard character. Exactly. I thought, wait a second, could it be... And now I know for sure. Isn't that like the purple onion? Yeah. Is, is like live work. Um, Four of us wolves running around the desert together in Las Vegas <laughs> looking for strippers and cocaine. <laughs> so tonight. I do feel like Justin Bartha gets a bit of a bum deal of the. Uh... <laughs> 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 oh, He's cutting his hand. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! Why did you here, Alan? No, no I'm not Alan. doing that. <laughs> Make him stop. <laughs> but uh, do feel like Bartha gets a bit of a bum deal. I kind of well, found it interesting that he never—they never worked really worked Bartha into the central friendship. He was always. No, but like, did I? I feel like it works because you don't really kind of like get much from him, and then he's gone. Yeah. So you're not like, oh, where is he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> oh, by yeah. the <laughs> yeah. John in the house. Um, we should mention, by the way, that uh, despite the fact that we only decided we were doing this at 11 p.m. last night, I did try to do some customary research. So I went home to the uh, house at about half past midnight, and I stuck on the unrated director's cut of Hangover. <laughs> um, the John Quinn, um, who is a good man, a great man, perhaps even one might say the best man, uh, came in to find me watching it with my headphones on down here. And I didn't get to finish the unrated director's cut, but it, watching the theatrical cut, it's very clear that a lot of the additions aren't actually unrated. 
They're just scenes that we cut because they were running long. So Phil got an entire speech in the unrated theatrical cut that was completely cut to a single line uh, in this version of the movie. Which I think is good, because I think it's a very clean, very efficient movie. It's, what, 99 minutes long? Which is kind of what you want for a comedy. And there is uh, Heather Graham's legs appearing on camera, if I remember correctly. It's been a while since I watched the full movie through. Um, there she wanted Lindsay Lohan for the role. Oh, really? Yep. Jake Gyllenhaal and Lindsay Lohan would have been the two leads of The Hangover um, had Warner Brothers got the movie they wanted. Jake Gyllenhaal instead of Bradley Cooper? Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Not, not instead of Zach Galifianakis. That would be a very different, very intense movie. But I think what, what I like about Alan is that he, he is incredibly unlikable. Um, but he's also very innocent like a child. He has this weird childlike... Well, you mentioned that scene where he's he's sticking his f fingers you know, out the car window at this little girl. And the little girl is almost more mature than him in that she's able to give him the finger in response. And so you have this thing where you feel this strong swell of pity for kind of... Uh... <laughs> that was a great pratfall. It is a good pratfall. Uh... But yeah, so you do... You, I, I, think it, I think part of why it works is that you... You have that kind of thing that you need in comedy where he's intensely unlikable. He is possibly one of the worst people who has ever lived. But you end up, I think, feeling some measure of affection for him. Um, a, little bit of, a little bit of advertising there for Caesar's Palace. Yeah. Well, I mean, it is, it is a large part of the brand. And, uh, <laughs> That's a great reveal. Yeah, of the tiger. Again. <laughs> 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 Should note, I believe that the sequel to The Hangover does feature a record number of on-screen penises uh, to that point in history. Um, the uh, more on-screen penis. It is. I mean, there is there is the uh, gender imbalance. I mean, we talk about the pay imbalance. We don't talk about the genitalia imbalance. Uh, to be fair, not nearly enough. This is like blank check. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like. But. Um, we should note, should note as well, the tiger was apparently treated very humanely. It got an outstanding rating from the American Humane uh, Association. Uh, and you're, you're right to mention kind of the direction there. I really like that reveal. Phillips is... I have a softer spot for Phillips than most. I think Phillips is a director who perhaps does himself very few favors uh, when it comes to doing interviews and press. Right. He's, he's, like, his, his movies seem smarter than he is. Uh, yeah, that was, I think, Jen's, Jen's description when we talked about Joker, and I think that's a very, very fair point. Again, he's, he's a director who came up... He didn't want to be a comedy director. He was a no. documentary filmmaker. Uh, was it Hated, which was The Gills, uh, the documentary about uh, a punk rock star who would do things like defecate on stage? Oh, and... Oh. And Stu the Dentist has just lost a tooth. Um, so this we episode is going to be releasing the day after Andrew's wedding, and I would yeah. like to... First of all, take this opportunity to wish Andrew and Patrina the a long and happy Thank marriage. Thank you very much. Um, and also to uh, wish, hope that listeners will do the same. I also hope that my teeth will be fixed in time. This was not intentional. <laughs> this was not a part of cross-promotion for the I was mentioning podcast. how I broke my teeth earlier on. That's good setup. That got fixed yesterday when we... We were playing like kind of a uh, kind of a version of paintball with lasers Laser outdoors. Yes. I was lowering a flag. Andrew, listeners may be surprised to hear, not a very commendable person. <laughs> not at all. I was lowering a flag and I was getting shot. So I jumped into cover and fell on the butt 
of the rifle, which went like straight into my tooth and uh, uh, cracked it open. Over the day, bits of tooth slowly <laughs> started to appear. Um, yeah, until finally, um, like half my tooth. Uh, I yeah, I remember you walked into it was a great a very great reveal much like Stu's reveal you walked into the kitchen uh, before we went out last night and just smiled it's like just so we're all aware this is the situation but I, if, I, I, I feel like my first reaction mightn't have been as positive as that <laughs> well, we, we, this might have been your first exposure to it yeah because I remember you were very like you you were very the, baby. the the infamous baby uh, and we might talk a little bit about that later on but I mean the thing that I actually we should note by the way that the Andrew Tooth situation has been resolved we um, at the moment there's a situation where we're not entirely sure who knows and who doesn't know we do not know who knows and who doesn't know but hopefully by the, by the time, time this, this is released it, it, it'll be something we can all laugh about yeah right now it's <laughs> not <laughs> I I, I, I at some point, I have to reveal to my fiance what has happened to my teeth, and it will I definitely be before this podcast. Okay. And say, I've chipped my tooth, but you won't even notice it. And then gradually, more and more pieces of the tooth started to fall off. So what you're saying is the tooth will come out. <laughs> the tooth is out there. Yeah. We will get to the root of the problem. Uh, and again, one of the iconic images of the movie, Galifianakis with the baby in the baby carrier, uh, which I think was a poster that was absolutely everywhere uh, of the movie. Uh, and again, I, weirdly enough, this was a movie I saw on release. I think this ended up as the Mooney family Christmas movie of all things, which is, is good because it's a big studio comedy. It's very crowded. Oh, one of the more infamous shots in the movie, in which Zach Galifianakis uh, pantomimes the baby masturbating itself. Out of the table, Carlos. Source of... S Carlos the baby. Some source of minor controversy, uh, because the parents of the two twins, uh, the twins in question, were on set at all times. And according to Phillips, and again, this is one of those stories where you're like, maybe this is something the family will laugh about 20 years from now. Uh, but apparently the mother was very... That's some good on-screen vomiting from Ed Helms. Uh, maybe the... Maybe, you know, the family laugh about it. But the, the indication was that, um, according to Phillips, the mother was understandably very protective of what they could do with the baby on screen. So when they wanted to do things like Zach Balganifus kind of pantomiming the baby masturbating, they would wait until she left the set for some reason, and they would ask the father. And the father's response would be, look, my wife's going to be back in 30 minutes. Can you do it in 30 minutes? And that is how those scenes ended up in the movie. So what I'm saying is, you know, the... the the tooth, the trust. They just, just waited for the baby to actually masturbate. Are you getting this? <laughs> well, I mean, that is Todd Phillips as a documentary and filmmaker. <laughs> yeah. His roots coming that back. That is my tooth. Um, <laughs> Why do you have that? What else is in your pockets? Oh, it's a good thing. No, no, check your pockets. Check your pockets. You have anything? I actually, again, one of the things I really admire about the movie is how unlikable Phil is as a leading man. <laughs> Um, he is, he is frankly terrible. He, he looks like Bradley Cooper, which excuses a lot. Um, but consistently throughout the movie, Phil is a terrible human being. Um, in a way that I think, again, comedy protagonists are, weren't really allowed to be before the, the Apatowian era. Um, Phil, you were in the hospital last night. I guess so, yeah. You okay? Yeah, Alan, I'm fine. <laughs> I love, like, the reveal of all of these leaves. Yeah. Which, again, okay, and then we're back to the masturbating baby joke. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
No, I mean, I think the movie functions reasonably well as a, as a kind of a neo-noir. And again, it's, it's the idea of, kind of Las Vegas, again, the, the kind of the, the forgetting and the idea of the characters investigating, delving into their own past. Like, Phillips is, by his own account, not a guy who wanted to make comedies. He ended up making comedies almost by accident. Uh, his most successful film before this was obviously Old School, which was the feral um, Luke Wilson. Um, and who was the third guy in, in Old School? Feral Luke Wilson and... Vince Vaughn? Vince Vaughn, yes, that'd be it. Um, and I believe, actually, it's possible that... Did Cooper meet um, Phillips through um, through Vince Vaughn, possibly, I think, is their connection there. But Phillips never wanted to be a comedic uh, director. He instead wanted to be a kind of... Again, wanted to do thrillers, kind of old-fashioned movies. Movies more like what we got with Joker. And you can kind of tell as, as the Hangover movies go on, as he gains more creative <laughs> power... You end up with movies like The Hangover Part 3, which is a comedy with no jokes in it. Uh, which is quite a remarkable accomplishment, where the, where the kind of franchise's noir elements really take over. Uh, but I think from the outset, you kind of have it. your car, officers. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> this is them getting the police car back from the valet. <laughs> Here's your car, officers. <laughs> Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> and obviously that is a, a dummy that they use in that shot. Uh, but again, one of the sequences that Warner Brothers wanted removed from the movie because they felt that it would make uh, the character of Alan unlikable. <laughs> Which ends up being a key part of the appeal of the movie. And I think like The Hangover is kind of interesting in the sense of it's a movie from 12 years ago now. But it is very much the kind of movie that when... <laughs> I love that Alan is like behind the prisoner. <laughs> yeah. Well, I also like that Carlos the baby gets a seatbelt. He doesn't get a car seat. Uh... <laughs> try to call more attention to us. Attention. Sorry. Attention, please. Please move out of the way. I repeat. Please disperse. But uh, yeah, like the hang, like the thing is, like you have this big movement in comedy, and again, we mentioned Todd Phillips's kind of interview personality, where Phillips is a large part of complaining about things like, oh well, they don't make movies like they used to, and the thing that you always see where people are like, oh, you'd never make Blazing Saddles today. You get something like The Hangover, and that's only from twelve years ago, and it, oh hey, there's Matt Walsh. Yeah, from UCB. Yeah, and also Veep and various other kind of things as well. Um, uh, I don't know. I think it was just you guys. Definitely no baby. And one other guy. That's our guy. Was he okay? Yeah, he was fine. Just whacked out of his mind. You all were. All right, come forward. Bit of, bit of classic body, to com body comedy here. And cough. <laughs> cough. <laughs> Again, amazing the reaction shots that you can get from Zach Galvanike as in a baby. And how much they can carry a movie. Okay, Felix, you can put your extent. robe on. And uh, the nurse will be in here in a minute. I'll see you after the weekend. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you doctor. I'm going to get <laughs> All right, cool. We're going to leave this recording anyway because this is meant to be in, in, in real time anyway, so you're meant to be watching along. Yeah. Andrew has put down the pizza. Um, I'm still watching. I'm still watching. I'm just also getting a drink. And I'm also out of the room. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think... One of the things about The Hangover is that, it, again, it feels very much like the... When people say you could never make comedy, comedy's too politically correct or, or whatever, 
The Hangover is a movie that feels in many ways very kind of retrograde. You have things like Bill, like casually using slurs, the opening joke where it's don't text me because it's gay, all that sort of stuff. And the movie is, I think, unapologetic about that. And I think it works because the movie is unapologetic. You know? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it's people being terrible. Yes, that's it. <laughs> and the movie is aware of how terrible they are. Yeah, yeah. It's not a kind of, like, aspirational kind of... Like... <laughs> and uh, Andrew is just having a, a rock show. So the hangover is not really commenced yet, I don't think. No, I don't think so. This is the hair of the dog. Um, as I say... I think in the beginning of the recording, I was still quite drunk. I probably am still quite drunk. I'm certainly not fit to operate any machinery. <laughs> fair, fair. Just grand, the, the constant inebriation. I mean, the, the whole point is to maintain, right? No, no, no. It's just the one. That is the trick the day after. Uh, um, the hair of the dog? Oh, I'm not a doctor, Darren. <laughs> but... <laughs> We should note that the reason why I'm the other person here is because I don't drink. Uh, so this is all academic. <laughs> the reason I'm here is because... <laughs> <laughs> it's because you decided this was a good idea and we committed to it. Um, uh, we, I think you said we do one of these a year. We do one of these vaguely insane ideas uh, once yeah. a year. So we very... We do I, a, I am a stupid. <laughs> <laughs> we should mention as well, we also lost an hour last night. The clocks went forward in Ireland. So technically, yeah. Even though everybody got home at like 2 or 3 a.m., it was the equivalent of 3 or 4 a.m. Oh. This started at the equivalent of 7 a.m. <laughs> <clears throat> Which is exactly what people Dear. <laughs> I was unaware of that. <laughs> I mean, for waking me. I could not turn my phone on. <laughs> <laughs> I do what I can. This is, this is my, my co-host responsibility. Is that I occasionally poke and wake Andrew. You miss uh, me. You miss Eddie? You want more from me? How are you, my friend? Look at this guy! This is that comedian that's friends with Joe Rogan. Oh, okay. What's his face? What's his name? I do not have the fact machine easily within grasp. He was grasp. in the Fighter and the Kid podcast, and then he became, like, untouchable. Um, I mean untouchable as in, like, nobody wanted to touch him because of some scandal. Um... I don't know if he lost any jobs or anything aside from that. Or just the social stigma kind of associated with it. I mean, again, we were talking about, like, again, this is a movie where Jeffrey Tambor plays the father-in-law. Yes. I was not prepared for that. When I was, when I was watching the director's cut last night, I was like, look, there are going to be some elements of this that have not dated well. There's some things that we may end up having to talk about with regards to, you know, the use of certain slurs, its approach to sexuality. It's like, no, Jeffrey Tambor is up front. And it's like, okay. Um... <laughs> <laughs> This is the wedding album. Yeah, I think again we've we've talked a bit about Cooper. <laughs> we've talked about uh, we talked about Cooper and Galifianakis. Helms is is quite good here, I think. Um, Incredible. And that is a real tooth that he, he lost. He lost that tooth um, as a as a kid. So yeah, he, he went to his dentist. Like me. Yeah, yeah. So he went to his dentist and he asked if they could get a replacement. Uh, if he could get like um, get remove it for the shoot and kind of get it put in afterwards. The problem is that he was shooting The Office. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's a big bag of that. Swag. Uh, wedding swag. Albums. Stu and Jay, 2009. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so he was filming The Office at the same time as well. So they, the dentist gave him a little screw cap tooth. 
So he could film his, he would film two days on the office and then shoot, fly out to Vegas or, or drive out to Vegas from, from California and shoot the rest of this. So he'd have a little tooth that he would screw in and so screw out. Is like, that looks very real, but like, yeah. I'm sure it's... CGI yeah, or, yeah, yeah. or makeup or whatever. But no, it is it is actually real. Um, I think Helms is, is very well used here as the third of the three guys. You have Phil as the kind of, again, the stereotypical kind of alpha asshole character. You have Galvanicus yeah. as the rookie comic relief. And he's like, two as the neurotic one. Yeah, where, like, like in old school, I guess, yeah. they'll, they'll have, like... Um, Vince Vaughn is probably the, the yeah, Cooper character. There's always somebody who, like, it's implied that, like, he he's... Um, uh, he's being emasculated by a woman, yeah. and that he 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 can't like kind of let loose. Yeah. Um, Mugs, this hat, hey, this car, oh it's all evidence. <laughs> <of> <laughs> um, in as, in Phillips's defence, I think there is a value in like exclusively male bonding, um, kind of like on occasions, such so a. Not necessarily exclusively male, but of, of, of kind of like male bonding. Um, well, we've we talked. Well, I've been with you before about the like the the interesting dynamic that you have with male friendships that are perhaps different from the stereotypical dynamics that you have with female friendships. Is the kind right? Of, uh, and then, like, the, the, obviously, there, there, there's. I mean, the fact that we're recording a podcast as the central piece of our friendship is perhaps <laughs> like the most the most pressing commentary on that. Sorry. Hmm. There's all sorts of, um, obviously, like, terrible, toxic masculinity. But the, what point am I making? <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> You've just begun. Um, I, I say go with it. That's what I say. Um, oh, dear. Oh, <laughs> out of the car. What was that? They just started up the tractor. I think it backfired. Where the hell is he? Hey, easy, easy. I, I think we're looking for the same guy, okay? And again, uh, and again, an approach that I think works because it's straight out of film noir, where it's like um, you have gangsters showing up looking for somebody. The the miscommunication between the two. Again, it's a nice kind of like hybrid kind of style. And again, I think it's um, it's worth noting that this was this was a turning point for American comedy. We mentioned that like Land of the Lost came out the same year. Blockbuster comedy in the like McKay Apatow kind of school. Um, and, uh, you know, Will Ferrell as a leading man, blockbuster budget, CGI event, very much <laughs> p- pitching to be uh, kind of something equivalent to, you know, something equivalent to, like, The Dark Knight or Iron Man in terms of, like, blending comedy and CGI. And it oh ends up God. being massively, massively outgrossed by The Hangover. Yeah. And The Hangover ends up kind of just setting the tone for what American comedy is going to aspire to be. You get m- many more... R-rated comedies. They had to remove the scene where the baby gets shot here. Yeah, audiences didn't respond <laughs> yeah, uh, they, very they well. Yeah, made, made the baby unlikable. <laughs> <laughs> I prefer the babies that don't get shot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um... The, the real danger with babies is that they'll shoot you. Yeah. In America, like, every That is actually, year, uh, yeah, that's Every a, week, there's and, a toddler <laughs> who gets hold of a gun and shoots his parents. Like, the most terrifying part of this bit is that that's not a bit. That's an no, actual fact. That's, that's a, a thing. That's a, a thing that actually happens. Um, I found him. I'll call you back. And here is Heather Graham. Oh, as Jade. I was freaking out. I'm Fantastic. Crazy. And again... 
We, you know, we talked a lot about like Phillips and kind of comedy, and we talked about things like including people like Matt Walsh in here. Uh, Ken Young's going to show up as well. Galifianakis says this. Like The Office, Community. Yeah. You know, they, like a lot of the kind of uh, uh, alternative comedy. Yeah. What's his name? Dan Harmon kind of thing, sort of. Yeah, yeah. no, no, but like Zach Galifianakis would have kind of like, like played a lot of the Largo. Yeah. You know, like Matt Walsh from the Upright Citizens Brigade. We should um, concede here. This is the area where Andrew's the expert. Andrew knows. All- <laughs> expert, now you, you, no. no, well, you went to Los Angeles. You did a tour where that included food and stand-up comedy, right? That was based on like stuff that I already liked. <laughs> I'm, I'm wearing a Doughboys T-shirt right now. <laughs> uh, but like again, I kind of love that the movie's almost like a comeback for Graham because Graham. This actor who'd been around in the '90s, she'd been one of the people who had been kind of like a fixture of '90s comedy. Uh, she'd done so like obviously Austin Powers. <laughs> Because they realized that the gra- that uh, Stu's grandmother's Holocaust ring uh, is, is now on the finger of a stripper from Vegas. That's his wife. <laughs> <laughs> Apologies. You know what the sad thing, Andrew, is that that girl who's humping and grinding on that stage—that that's somebody's daughter. Uh-huh. <laughs> Actually, like, and again, I think it's one of the things that works really well in the movie is that I don't think Jade is a punchline. No. Like, I think that, like, as much as the obvious punchline of uh, he goes to Vegas and he marries a stripper um, and he has to deal with the consequences of that, the idea that Jade is actually a human being who's a decent person who comes across very well. And yeah. yes, we are just staring at Heather Graham's breasts as she breastfeeds. And I... Again, that incongruity of kind of the comedy. It's a similar to the uh, the dick thing, where it's like, this is not how you are used to seeing this aspect of the human body presented in this kind of movie, uh, which is quite nice. Maybe it's not give... simple, um, and again, I apologize for the pun, it's not simple titillation. Hey, it's... Um, maybe Phillips uh, deserves some credit, but I think Graham gives us that kind of as well. Yeah. Like humanity that she does. She just. Um... Oh, hey, speaking of speaking of like, Rob Riggle is fantastic. Rob Riggle's fantastic in everything. I'm I'm kind of amazed he never broke out more than he did. I I know he's a yeah, like comedy. He's done, like like he's giving, had plenty of. Uh... Well, he's done really great supporting roles. He's like comedy fans know him and love him. He was on obviously The Daily Show and stuff like that. It's some of the deleted scenes from Step Brothers are incredible with him. All right, yeah. let's do it. <laughs> and it, and again, <laughs> one of the smarter, cleverer things in the movie is that so many of Alan's interactions are with children, which kind of establishes the idea that he is mentally still a child. Um, and I do like that the movie goes out of its way to establish that he's not Rain Man. Like there's an early scene, there's a scene early on where they're talking to Justin Bartha's character. And like, so is he, uh, you know? Um, and it's like, no, no, I think he's just, uh, just an idiot. Um, he's just a man child. Oh, you are not going to believe this. We got Compton extra night at the hotel. He did. Yeah, it, it, the suite is it's ridiculous. It's out of control. There's like room service and a butler. It's, How's the pizza? it's just the work. So it's okay. We are thinking of spending the morning night after pizza is generally not great. Is the problem I think? Well, like cold pizza is a thing that people who like cold pizza like. Fair. Fair. <laughs> I shouldn't judge. People. Um, what was that Thirty Rock line of like? 
Revenge is a dish best served cold. It's like sushi or pizza. It's like you eat cold pizza. It's <laughs> <laughs> been around. Wait a second. Wait a second. I'll go over. I'll go over. <laughs> Do you love a good bit of physical comedy? <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah, but again, Rifkin's one of those guys who I always assumed would kind of break bigger at a certain point. Who? Rob, 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 Rob Riggle. Why am I calling him Rob Rifkin? Rifkin's. Rifkin, Rifkin, <laughs> Rifkin is somebody else. Uh, the great thing about this is because this is a commentary, I can't edit out stupid mistakes like that. <laughs> uh, people get to hear the real, unfiltered Darren on three hours of sleep nonsense. Um, There's also a note. But uh, yeah, no, Riggle is fantastic. The other guys too. Uh, I saw him in. I rewatched the Twenty One Twenty Two Jump Street movies recently as well. Oh he's, yes, he's really great in those as well. Um, <laughs> don't shoot my dicks. Um, oh, no, uh, officer, that's just impossible. No, we need to be in L.A. tomorrow for a wedding. Incidentally, when they were shooting, they had call. several real encounters with the Los Angeles Police Department. They were apparently not impressed with uh, what they were shooting. They felt Las that Vegas? it. Las Vegas, sorry. They, they, they felt that it was denigrating the community, uh, not representative of the community's values. Yeah. <laughs> steal a cop car, because it'd be really funny. Yeah. Think you're going to get away with it? Not up in here! Not up in here! The great thing about Rob Riggle is that he's done that in other roles as well, where he'll often just kind of like repeat a line, but with his own... Um, kind of like delivery or energy yeah his energy exactly yeah yeah and again worth noting phil so despicable this is a wonderful thing so introduced taking money from kids for a trip to a free planetarium to vegas <laughs> just basically <laughs> taking whatever money they have and got it like going and using it as an excuse to go to vegas and talking about how much he hates his kids and using the kids as like cheap emotional leverage uh, when he's dealing with the police department as well. I, I do love how low-key terrible <laughs> Phil is as a human being in a way that, again, having um, Alan there kind of distracts from. And again, I think that's something Cooper does rather well because Cooper arguably looks better with Stubble. Mm -hmm. he, he looks, you know, he's a very handsome man no matter what you do to him. Um, like one of the big issues with Burnt, which is his big chef document, his chef movie, one of his big chef projects is that you're like, I do not believe this man is a troubled chef. He's a supermodel. Um, but I think that he, he does have a kind of a bit of a rougher edge oh, to him in a way that I don't... Ah! <laughs> this is him getting tased. Yeah. Again, the, the use of physical comedy. Very old-fashioned, very traditional, but right, it really works. how about works. you, young lady? Come on up here. All right. <laughs> and again, Come on. another child interacting with Alan. Jesus, again, slide it on back. You, pretty boy. Oh, okay. No, sorry. It's, it's Phil then. Never mind. I thought it was going to be Alan again. Yeah, because the payoff is going to be the child whose phone yeah. um, Alan kicked. You don't really want to do this. <clears throat> you can do this. Just focus. Don't listen to this maniac. Let's think this thing through. Finish him! <laughs> and again, that's the Rob Riggle special. <laughs> right in the nuts! That was beautiful! There is something very satisfying about this show. <laughs> <laughs> clapping along again I, I worry about how much of this is just going to be myself and Andrew going that's a good joke we really appreciate that <laughs> oh and there's the kid who's phony kicked yeah <laughs> slow motion shot eye contact yeah 
And again, like, I, again... Arguably much more structured than most of these comedies are, because again, this is around the time that improvisational comedy was very popular, and a lot of, like, riffing and leave it in and play, like, let scenes play long, let actors kind of bounce off each other. Much of The Hangover just is, is very traditional in terms of structure, setup, payoff. Um, and again, I think it's... <laughs> Don't be afraid to ride the lightning. Stop! Stop! In the face! In the face! No! <laughs> oh! Oh, he's still oh, up! He's still oh, up! Oh, he's still up! You gotta give them two shots. <laughs> All right, kids, who wants to get their fingerprints done, huh? Come on, let's go. <laughs> it's good quality community service. Um, see, that's what the Las Vegas PD are really about, Andrew. Community service, bringing kids in. Let's go, who cares? I care. You can't just do that. You can't just tase people because you, you think it's funny. That's police brutality. I'm getting a soda. You guys want anything? No. There's my most relatable character in the, in the movie. <laughs> I'm going to get a carbonated sugar drink. Um, Alan, you okay? I'm just worried. What if something happened to Doug, something bad? Oh, come on, you can't think like that. I mean, what if he's dead? I can't afford to lose anybody close to me again. It hurts too much. I'm so upset when my grandpa died. Oh, so how'd he die? World War II. <laughs> no, he was skiing in Vermont. It was just during World War II. <laughs> Alan, Doug is fine. Well, why hasn't he called? I don't know, but we're going to figure it out. I'll tell you another thing. Six to one odds, our car is beat to And again, no, wonderful kind of subversion like of expectations here. That's enough. Where the car comes around the corner. Let's not freak him out anymore. And despite all the expectations, all the terrible stuff that's Sorry, happened, Alan. it looks pretty great. You know what? We'll search the car for clues, and everything's going to be okay. And again, very neo-noir touch. Reminds me a lot of, say, the, the Big Lebowski has similar stuff with the car, um, where the car becomes the, the way of finding clues. Oh, thank God. Right. <clears throat> you see? It's going to be all right. Oh, yes. Isn't like this is good. I remember that there is somebody in the booth. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Ken Jong. Ken Jong. Yeah, yeah. Ken. Um, and again, um, another kind of comedian, kind of breakout uh, actor. And again, one of the one of the franchise's breakout characters as well, um, Mr. Chow. Weird. And again. Provided to the set by Jared Leto. Um, no. Get it out. Again, impressive how much of this uh, is. It's just fairly kind of standard stuff, but kind of fit into. Um, it's in the trunk. The original pitch uh, for this was that he would jump out wearing just his underwear. It was Jong's idea that he would jump out entirely naked. Um, and apparently... As, <laughs> I think Jong's comment is that my, my dick and Bradley Cooper's neck became intimately related. And Cooper's response is, yeah, it, it, it wasn't until he said that. 
that uh, that the, the situation became weird. I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh, gonna me. Nobody's gonna. We're on your side. I hate Godzilla. I hate him too. I but Chung him. is um. He's talking about how his wife was diagnosed with cancer and how Chow, in some ways, became a way for him to kind of escape from that, and how he puts a lot of a lot of the characters' weird, manic, dark energy down to the fact that he was working through that stuff even subconsciously. And again, I think it's a really great role. I think it's telling, perhaps, that, like, Jung has become something of a star. You mentioned Community. He had his own TV show, was a Dr. Ken for a while. Um, but he will always be Chow from the Hangover movies. This is, like, the role that he will probably never escape from. And I think he's comfortable with that. And I think it's, it's very... It says a lot about the movie that, you know, He's the fourth lead, and he's not even the, the designated comedic funny character in the way that Galvanicus is. But he becomes the character. And, of course, the revelation that Alan, that Alan roofied them. The guy I bought it from at the liquor store. Why would you give us ecstasy? Because I want everybody to have a good time, and I knew you guys wouldn't take it. It's just one hit each. I used to do three hits a night. But it wasn't ecstasy, Alan. It was roofies. You think I knew that? Story? And again, the kind of like nice neo noir kind of and reveal that this is their, all their own fault essentially, <laughs> um, that they are not innocent victims of circumstance. They are terrible people to whom terrible things are happening because they make terrible choices. I married a whore. Um, How dare you? She's a nice lady. And oh, Alan is right. She is a nice Your lady. Your language is offensive. You. All right, let's just take a deep breath, okay? All right, seriously, this is a good thing, guys. At least it's not some stranger drug is God idea. knows what reason. Yeah. <laughs> it was. I've got no idea how much of the podcast is going to be. So I've never done this before. I don't know how difficult this is going to be edited. I don't know what the sound quality is going to be. But it's nice. It was a nice thought. And it's nice to have a kind Apologies of... Apologies if the sound Doug quality is, is probably face down terrible. With right <laughs> a meth head, but his corpse. It's highly unlikely. It's true. It's <laughs> not help. Let's get it together, guys. Let's go back to the hotel, and I'm going to make a couple calls. And again, the neo-noir element of the desert and the sleep. fact that everybody's there and the idea of the desert, the place for God. So this is all Darren nonsense. <laughs> like, The Hangover is a very Darren movie for all its stupid dick jokes and body functions. And, uh, I think we're going to push westward, westward <laughs> later on. <laughs> we are, very dramatically. Yeah. going to reach the land of new opportunity. But the idea of the desert... <laughs> on the border. Um, but is it a Lake Tahoe wedding? I feel like probably, right? All right. I, I don't know. I haven't done any research on this. Um, but, uh... Isn't like they're in Vegas? Yeah, and they're heading... They are heading to California. Goddamn tiger. I don't know. Because I don't remember. Shh. Stu. It's one of the uh, side effects of uh, Rufy's memory loss. <laughs> um, you were literally too stupid to insult. Thank you. Um... And again, one of the things where, you know, you don't want to necessarily give Phillips too much credit or whatever, but the, I, and again, it's one of those, I guess it's probably a standard comedy cliche. You mentioned the, like the emasculation of Stu and things like that, but the idea that like they've been roofied, it's, it's the guys who were roofied, the guys who were given the, the drug, the guy who had something slipped into their drink. And here is Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson? <laughs> This is my favorite part coming up right now. I can feel it coming here tonight. 
and Tyson is an interesting character to talk about here. Um, we should probably acknowledge up front one of the controversies over the movie and one of the controversies over the sequel is the question of who gets forgiven uh, and, <laughs> and, and who doesn't. Because obviously the second movie attracted controversy when Mel Gibson was cast in the role of the tattoo artist that I believe would be played by John Cassavetes or Liam Neeson. I think it was Liam Neeson. Um, but the three of them together, and I believe it was Galvanicus uh, who organized it, the three leads said they would not make the movie with Mel Gibson for very obvious reasons, um, going off the back of the, the recent release of the tape, but obviously his, his public state anti-Semitic views. And one of the criticisms or observations that was made was that the movie was willing to take that stand on Gibson, but there was no similar argument against Tyson, um, who obviously has his own history of sexual assault. And the question is like the double standard that exists there. I think it was the Gibson thing was so recent. And yeah. it's also like kind of um, um, hadn't really... Um... Didn't you guys see him? I was fast asleep. Yeah, because if he was up... <laughs> you know, like obviously Mike Tyson went to prison. Yes. The question um, is like, has he served his time? Uh, right, right. Like, right, is right. he in? And again, like... But, the, but that um, Gibson... Was never really punished. Like, no. And then, in fact, I mean, you had this, this thing where Gibson has been continuously attempts at rehabilitating him. And then, you know, and again, not like Jodie Foster is her own complicated character. Oh, he has. He's, he's been very busy lately in particular. Yeah. They're, making le- they're making a new lethal weapon with him. And the rumor is that they want where's, him to direct where, Whereas, like, Mike Tyson sent to prison, lost the heavyweight title of the world. Like, you know, there, there were... Consequences. At least consequences. For, yeah. Yeah. And again, maybe not necessarily not, the conversation for the two of us hungover, but I no, think, no, you know, no, not, not, but not worth to acknowledging that like it's fine. Yeah, everything's it's random. Not, yeah. Everything's fine because he's being punished, but no, like, but it is a different case. At least, yeah, yeah. yeah. and I, I can absolutely uh, get that. Uh, no, and again, it, it's just something I think we kind of have to acknowledge when talking about the movie. I don't think it's so. It's something that maybe we probably should. Yeah. So I think it, it, it's done and it's said, and it's something I'm not entirely sure about myself, but it's worth flagging. I love Alan seasoning the steak for the tiger. Phil, <laughs> um, just do it. You should do it. I would, but you lost. Wouldn't be right. Okay, I jammed five roots. Well, you know, it, it, so I guess you could say this is a high stakes situation. Hey. What's great is that, like, when people are hungover, they're too weak to resist. There's no fight. It's just... And again, uh, all the animals treated humanely. I believe many of them were composited in. They they didn't... uh, The Humane Society didn't have any beef. Nice. (laughs) They really like the cut of the movie. Um, I believe, again, a lot of this composited in. um, Yeah. So the animal was entirely safe, and obviously the actor was entirely safe as well. But the act, the the animal wasn't necessarily menaced or chained or anything no. like that, which was, which was again, what kind of like, which is, added the uh, like, um, ah yes, another icon, uh, echoic. What do tigers dream of? Moment from the movie as well, yeah. And again, a very classical kind of comment. Like again. That for all the hangovers full of like you know dick jokes and kind of condoms and all that sort of stuff, it's it's a very traditional old fashioned comedy. Like it feels almost conservative when you compare it to something like what what Hollywood was going through at the time, where Apatow, and again, black and white footage of uh, of Doug, 
um, flashback footage. The, the piano, which is very much a barroom staple. The chicken on the piano, which feels like something from a Saturday Night Live sketch in the 70s, um, this kind of contrast. You can imagine Bill Murray doing something like this. Absolutely. Star Wars. Yeah, that was crazy. Star Wars. Um, so you have, again, this idea of Phillips as something of a classicist. Um, which I guess is kind of the tension that, that I have with Phillips as a director is that I actually like a lot of his movies. I just <laughs> I just wish that he, he didn't speak in interviews. Uh, and, and it's kind of one of those things where it's like... Um, and again, it's, it's not really a problem. Silence me, bro. <laughs> <laughs> this is the problem with woke culture, Andrew. Yeah, we, yeah. we keep trying to silence directors. Um, like you have the director of The Hangover saying that he... Like, like he, he should absolutely, like, you know, feel free to talk, but no... Does not do you any favor. Yeah. We like you less the yeah, more you talk. <laughs> but again, uh, there's a, and again, this is the thing where I'm torn on it. Where this is, uh, I think you've mentioned before, very boring, very good guy or whatever. I'm a, I'm a very boring conventional dude. But there's part of me that admires the trollishness of Phillips. Yeah. Where like the pro, like provocative. <laughs> <laughs> Great reveal, <laughs> and again, animatronic tiger. It um, and it. It does look a bit animatronic. Yeah, um, that that's how you get your outstanding rating from the uh, from the Humane Association. And. <laughs> destroying the, the guy. from the in- and again <laughs> the and again like again not to give the movie too much credit or to like to read too much into it but the idea of it being destroyed from the inside as well um again the, the idea that it's not an external force that it's not that these characters are rotten to the core and are being punished appro- again very film noir they're being punished appropriately for terrible things and decisions that they have made um <laughs> And so it's not, the car doesn't get totaled by, uh, you know, it isn't. So this is like the the evening of the day after. After. So I believe they have one more day. The wedding is tomorrow. Um, If my knowledge of the situation is correct. Or my my memory. Whatever, man. We need to push it the last mile. Come on in. Mike's got something he wants to show you. Things out of control, man. Seriously, you got to put it down. When we got back, we and I love that again. Another thing where it's the still reaction shot of the tiger, as if to illustrate that the problem isn't the tiger, the problem is Phil. Um, oh, it's Doug. Oh, thank God he's alive. That's our buddy. That's who. That's who. Something we've inherently missing. funny about the image of Mike Tyson with a little Chihuahua dog, kind of or a little. Um, what is it? It's a po- is it a pug or no? It's not a pug. It looks like a mixture of like a Chihuahua and a. Um, Bulldog. Yeah. Really? Really, Alan? <laughs> yeah, what's up? We're gonna overflow the pool, man. Should, maybe I, should I wait outside? I think that's a good idea, Alan. Yep. Don't touch anything out there, either. You know what? He's he, he, he's not our good friend. We don't know him that well. By the way, man, where you get that cop car from? We uh, stole it from these dumbass cops. 
Nice. You know, I just have to say, I have never seen a more beautiful, elegant, just regal creature. And again, that the idea that the the tiger is somehow more graceful, more dignified, and more domesticated than these three animals that are hauling it out, which again. I, I worry that so much of this podcast is Darren explaining the joke and rendering it unfunny. That's my big fear. That's when we, what happens when we try to talk Tweet over Doug stuff. was with us at 3.30, totally alive. Tweet us what kind of dog that is. <laughs> yeah, actually, there's a question. Uh, when we don't have access to the fact machine, our, our observations are much more banal. Uh, <laughs> Maybe a thing where you hold like your camera to the screen and the app tells you what, what, what animal it is, yeah. In fact, I feel like Google Lens would do that. But, I mean, like, again, this is the thing where on the podcast we accidentally will terrible things into existence. <laughs> where we somehow, we wished, like... No, Google Lens is already a thing. I, I know. Um, was it we wished Dances with Wolves back onto the 250? Yeah. We recorded our, our kind of our episode on Godfather Part 3 and the following day, Dances with Wolves appears on the list for the first time in 21 years. Um... We don't have to tell her everything. Orlando Calrissian hip hopera. Yeah, um, I would argue the Nolan Oppenheimer movie, although he was—I think it's that was quite a. Oh, that's right. That was a very—that was perhaps a, an obvious one, but you called it, so congratulations, Andrew. Um, yeah. I mean, this isn't what Vegas stands for, Andrew. Oh, jeez. <laughs> And again, like... There's Ken Young. Ken Young, yeah, and fantastic. And again, great introduction, very classical feet on the ground. I know that guy. That's the guy from the trunk. It's... Get out of the car, please. Wait, wait, wait. those are the guys that shot Eddie. Really remarkable performance. And, like, it's kind of interesting to note in hindsight, like, whatever about the film's reputation and legacy, uh, which I feel has perhaps been soiled by the two sequels. I feel The Hangover Part 2, and particularly The Hangover Part 3, maybe don't do the original that many favors. See, I never watched any of them, and I was aware of them being bad, but, like, why wouldn't they be bad? They're, like, sequels to... To a comedy. Yeah, yeah. Or just sequels to movies in general. They're, they're like, often, like, there's not an expectation that they're going to be good. Yeah. And when they are, it's exceptional. Robocop 2, Robocop 3. Obligatory Robocop. Robocop reference. (laughs) But, like, yeah, I mean, and, and... you would argue <clears throat> if this is a traditional old-fashioned comedy, particularly in contrast to the improvisational comedies of the era, that this is like, you know, how many sequels to classic 80s comedies, for example, are good? They're more derivative, cash in, repeat the premise. Another 48 hours. Example. Um, or, you know, I mean, Ghostbusters 2 would be another one. Yeah. Um, all that sort of stuff. And so, like, the Hangover sequels feel very much like that, where you have, like, the Hangover Part 2 is just the Hangover again, but in Bangkok, and everybody's getting paid more. Um, that's the difference. You. He's a child. It's funny because he's fat. And then you have the Hangover... Was... <laughs> it's funny because he's fat. I feel like I... That's good to know I'm not the only one explaining the jokes. Um, but the original Hangover was well-received. 
Like it was yeah. well received by by critics and by audiences. So like I think seventy nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes, seventy two on Metacritic, for example. Uh, one of the rare comedies to make it onto the list. We're covering this. It is not on the two fifty at the moment, but it was on the two fifty uh, on its initial release, which is rare for a comedy to have that kind oh, of yeah. cultural impact. Uh, we talked before about how the list the list purges its comedies. Like the comedies that are on there tend to trail downwards. Every list of like. Um, great movies like underrepresents comedies. Yeah. No, I think generally. Sorry, sorry. You, you probably probably speak to this better than I can. But no, it is. I mean, comedy is largely written off as like horror. Yeah. Because it, because it's a very emotional, very basic thing. It's like it's funny or it's not. A romance. It's scary. Yeah. Well, romance I think is perhaps written off for other reasons that are perhaps gendered. Yeah. More yeah. specifically, but I think comedy and horror are written off because they're seen as being basic. Where it's like, you laugh, it's funny. That's it, we get it. It's, we get the joke. There's no art in it. Uh, there's, no, um, there's no particular skill involved or technique or craft. It's not like a serious drama about an important issue. Or it's what are not... they trying to do now? I've completely lost track. Have, they've kidnapped Alan. Haven't they, they put Alan in the car? Ah. Bring money to Big Rock in Mojave Desert at dawn. What? How are they taking Alan out? <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember this because, like, it seems like a bad idea to remove narratively Alan. from the equation. Yeah, because like the audience want more Alan. I guess. Oh no! Well, maybe no, they didn't oh, take sorry. Alan. So wait. Oh, so it's they said they have his friend, isn't it? Again, see, this is the problem. Why we? <laughs> this is why we should. I should. This is why I was watching the movie last night or trying to watch the movie last night. This is obviously past the point I got to, uh, when when Johnny arrived in the room and then basically made fun of me for being a nerd who does research on a podcast on He's a stack. Right. He is right. He, he should say it. Um, not the small details like the kind of the stacking in the background. It was a bartender on a cruise. What is wrong with you people? Ooh, Alan. Did you just hey, Alan is also having morning pizza? after pizza. Yeah. What are we going to do? We are so <laughs> Hey, guys. Did you find it? Nope. But check this out. And again, yes. a very, very specific overt reference to Rain Man here. It's right down strange. to... <laughs> yeah. It's, it's hilarious. It's kind of like it's, it's kind of incongruous in the context of the movie because it's a very specific pop culture reference <laughs> as opposed to just being a broad high concept comedy. Uh, and again, obviously iconic as a gif, like or a gif if you will. Yeah. Uh, it's funny you now how like um mimetic it's kind of become where you're kind of looking at it and it's thinking like this is hacky. <laughs> but 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 the, that this was the first time like just before all of the YouTube videos where you see a whole lot of mats like presented in the, the air, yeah. Well, again, arguably a victim of its own <laughs> success. Where some, like again, it's the kind of thing where a movie becomes so popular that it's. Hey, not... uh, these seats taken? Oh, feel free. All right, let's play some black jack. <laughs> the thing is that like 
card counting, it's not like illegal or anything. Well, I mean, isn't it one of the things where they will ask you to leave because they yeah, have the right yeah, to refuse exactly. admission? Yeah. yeah. Um, Darren says, knowing it's this... It's up to them to figure out if but, you're doing yeah. it and then decide, like, okay... Whether to allow it. Are you bad enough at it that we will allow you to continue <laughs> to do it? That's the thing about, like... Nobody gets kicked out for losing too much money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the moral principle of the thing. But I'm going to tell you that's dumb. Yes! Okay, come on! He can't lose! He can't lose! I think the pit boss is watching. And again, nice little touch that you have. Like again, you know. yep. But you've also had like um, Stu, who's been pretty terrible about Jade throughout. The idea that Jade comes back at the kind of climax here and is is useful and helpful and presented again as a character of the movie is innately okay. sympathetic so towards. I just I get so nervous when I can't. The only person in the movie who actually helps Whoa, the guy is pretty much. Beat. Okay, let's just take it easy. This is my wife. It's Make sure. Does it hurt? Does yeah. this hurt? Oh, ow. You're right. I don't know. I don't know either. Uh, I don't know. I think you're fine. Let's go. And a nice little moment for Graham, who again, an actor. I don't think Hollywood ever really knew how to use. Uh, ever really kind of figured out. And kind of nice that she got a little moment like this at least. Um, Always been immensely fond of her. Um, and again, yeah. and 100, 200, 300, 400. Oh, with all this, that's $82,400. God damn it. Alan, you're the man. You are too funny. You're but I remember her being huge. So she was obviously in the second season of Twin Peaks, which you watched the entirety of. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah absolutely. How, I mean, yeah, sorry. You don't need to remind me of that. <laughs> um, she was in, the, she popped up in a couple of junk thrillers with uh, Ray, with Joseph Fiennes, not Ray Fiennes, the lesser Fiennes, the adequate Fiennes. Um, fine. Fine. <laughs> yeah, he's We're fine. We're the three best friends that anybody could have. We're the three best friends that anyone and again, could have. Again, Alan We're as a kid. And again, it's cheesy and it's goofy and it's kind of... I like that you don't get Stu and Phil like smiling at each other and being like, yeah, he's right. We are the three best friends that anybody <laughs> can have. Um, there you go. There's the casino shot. Again, Phillips, movie nerd. The sunglasses. This, the shot across no, the this, this is a uh, lethal weapon. The, the no, no, but the, the sunglasses shot. That's the shot of, like, um, Robert De Niro watching the car with Joe Pesci crossing the desert, reflecting the sunglasses. But this specific scene yeah. here is... is, is of course uh, it's on. He's weapon. 30 miles into yeah. the desert. He knows it's on. Phil, just do something! Fine. <laughs> <laughs> See? All right, let's go. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, the window because he gotta open the door. Funny fat guy falls on face. And again, I, I love that one of Chaz bits is just explaining why it's funny that bad things happen to Zach Galifianakis. Then I give you dust. Um, I'm sorry. First of all, good morning. We didn't catch your name last night. Mr. Chow, Leslie Chow. Mr. Chow, it is a pleasure. My name is Stu, 
And we would very much appreciate an opportunity to see Doug before we give you the money, just to verify that he's okay. Is if that's if that's cool. Of course, Stu. That is cool. Gotcha! Again, Jong's one of those actors who it's amazing that have found so long for somebody to find that something that he's as good at as he now, is in this. Give me money. Or I shoot him. And I shoot all you mother. Oh, and then we what? take it. Your choice. Give him the money, Stu. Okay. Which I, I guess is so much. I guess that's so much of, of Hollywood and movie stardom is that you're just waiting for the moment where somebody figures out that this actor can do this thing particularly well. Hey. Uh, I take it easy. Take it easy. Oh. Ta -da. Ah, what, is this some kind of joke? Who the hell is this? That is not Doug. What are you talking about, Willis? That him? No, I'm sorry, Mr. Chow. That's not our friend. He, it's... Mm -hmm. The Doug we're looking for is a white. <laughs> I told you you had the wrong guy, little boy. Damn, Alan, what the fuck you got me into? Well, you know him? Yeah, this is the guy that sold me the bad drugs. How you doing? I didn't sell you no bad drugs. Wait, he sold you the the Ruflin? Ruflin? I thought that real well. Who gives a <laughs> Where is Doug? I am Doug. Your name's Doug? Yeah, yes, I'm Doug. Uh, but his name's Doug too. <laughs> Classic mix-up. <laughs> hey, Chow! You gave us the wrong Doug. Not my problem. No. Give us our 80 grand back and take him with no, you. No, come on, man. I'll be your dog. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> oh, I take him back uh, right after you suck on these little Chinese nuts. Oh, that's mm. nasty. Oh. How'd that sound? So long, gay boys. Wait a second. There is a lot of um, uh, humor that is not aged particularly well here with the, the homophobia. And again, you could write it off as just the characters being awful, but it's interesting to kind of in the context of oh, 2009. Yeah. You can say, like, he's not, like... Um... The movie's not homophobic, Chow is, or the movie's not homophobic, Phil yeah, is, that yeah, sort of yeah. thing. But it does almost feel like making an excuse for it. But it's just interesting in the context of a movie that is just 12 years old. And we're back at the opening scene. And again, film noir, staple, the entire movie as a flashback kind of premise. Thanks for the lift back to town. And I like that you hear the conversation. Um, oh, and that the movie has lagged. Um, the network has possibly died. I got a question for you. I think it'll be okay for anyone synced up. It was very momentary. Yeah. Okay, but why? I mean, why you? Oh. Okay, well, no, no, we've gone now. Um, this is great. Again, keep in mind People that... must be waking up. Yeah, <laughs> and, must uh, and connecting to the network and, and kind of like disrupting the signal we should mention that yeah this is all hi highly improvised this is all very like the the uh, the recording of the podcast was just like hey i brought a chromecast i've set up a hotspot on my phone we're using the oyster bay wi-fi in the uh, in the in the apartment that we're in or sorry, the house that we're in very lovely by the way we should shout out carlingford uh great location Excellent it's location. beautiful. It was, I mean, we're really lucky with the weather as well. Um, Good idea. I know it's not a secret. Well, just based on our experience. Has a lot of stag and Hindus, but there's a reason for that. Yeah. Beautiful by the sea, a lot of stuff to do. If you, if the weather's right and the weather's been perfect, I think you, yes, they said to me, this is perfect, and it really was. Um, I'd recommend uh, doing the laser combat and not breaking your teeth. <laughs> 
hot, hot take, controversial. Yeah. I mean, you're not getting the full experience. That's a good new name for him. Or how about rapies? Wait, what did you just say? Rapies. Not you. Doug, what did you say before? I said groundies. No, before that, you said you're more likely to wind up on the floor than... And Darren approves of the final twist of The Hangover essentially being a bit of wordplay. Where Doug literally got roofied. Yeah, I know, right? I know. By the way, I love that one of the writers, at least on The Hangover franchise, particularly the sequels, it's Craig Mason, who is the guy who would go on to create Chernobyl. <laughs> like that was one I'm of my... reading Chernobyl at the moment. I can recommend it. Oh, okay, yeah. It's incredible. Because um, um, who's the author on this? I feel like I have no idea. Actually, I was going to I was going to say what I think it is. But no, <laughs> I'm not even going to try. Um... There, there, there is a book. It's called Chernobyl. It's like a penguin. Um, paperback kind of thing, yeah, yeah. but I do love that when Chernobyl was coming out the biggest credit they had for the showrunner was he wrote some of the hangover sequels easy with this sorry okay can someone tell me where White Doug is he's I... on the roof Alan yes he's on the roof we must have taken him up there on his mattress as a prank you know um, you know when you're troubled you can go up on the roof up on... oh fine I wish I knew more lyrics of that Robinson and Jerome song. Um, I'm glad that you, you don't did. know more. <laughs> Robinson and Jerome. That you knew any. That's fair. Uh, it's okay. <laughs> no, and again, we're very much in the home stretch here as well, so it's very much like, yep, yeah, we're getting excellent, <laughs> which is fantastic. Um, so I think we managed to talk about a bunch of stuff. Is there anything you want to say about the Hangover actually? Because I've been I've been kind of driving and dominating the the kind of conversation. Anything about the movie you want to say actually? No, I feel like like people kind of check out some of the kind of um, alternative comedy that like uh, Zach Galifianakis. He has a lot of very good um, podcast appearances. If you look him up on your podcast device, like um, he, he's very good value. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of quality material there. I mean, have you? Um... Have you seen I've never Baskets? Seen him live. Okay, but have you seen Baskets on FX? I would have thought that would be right up your street as an old comedy. I haven't. No. Oh, okay. Um. All comedy isn't on a network channel. <laughs> All comedy is a state of mind. Sorry, I think FX isn't. Like, okay, apologies. Uh, yeah, FX isn't network. Oh, my skin burns! My skin burns! Oh, ah, God! Oh, it's not basic cable. Yes, <laughs> but like. See, this is why you're the expert, Andrew. <laughs> but, um... What about the one after that? Yeah, no, so they're, they're kind of going to race. So we're now at the stage where we are racing, <laughs> and we're racing back to the wedding, uh, which is grand. Every flight to L.A. is booked. What about in the Burbank? Totally sold out. And as you said, you what is this? This is trademark Darren Crap. We're going to press <laughs> westward. We're going to walk out of the unforgiving desert. The desert of the real. The yeah, desert. That's a reference to something as well. The way he's kind of like dressed in. In, in the wheelchair, wheelchair with the with Just that with the hat on and the. We will leave without you. And again, I quite like that. Like. Yeah. And again, not to give the movie too much credit. A lot of the criticisms of it are entirely valid, but I, I do 
find myself strangely moved by the whole subplot with Stu and Jade, where the idea is that this this woman who does sex work is not a punchline. She's a human being, and the idea that Stu's... Oh. Yeah. It was stupid, wasn't it? That Stu finds a part of himself with her. She's a good person. And she... Like, yeah. And that he learns and he grows from the experience. Hmm. And he doesn't go back to normality. He doesn't, if I remember correctly, at least if I remember correctly. I shouldn't talk about movies I don't remember, but I... He gets his self-respect back. Yeah, that's it, exactly. It's a, it's a kind of a, um, an arc for him that's satisfying. Yeah. And it, it's an arc that, again, doesn't treat it as, like, again, arguably... And we can, I don't know if listeners can hear... But the shower is running in the background. Life is beginning. <laughs> returning to normal. <laughs> Life is returning slowly to normal. Um, oh, my tooth. <laughs> it's grand. By this stage, we'll know whether we can laugh about it. Yeah. Um, oh, and Petrina, I just want you to know I was no part in keeping this from you. If <laughs> No, no, no. I'm not keeping it from <laughs> no, you. No, I know. I, I know. just want to tell her myself. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Working. Why? <laughs> so I was thinking maybe I'd come back and take you out to dinner or something. Like a date? Yeah, like a date. Only one that I, hopefully I'll remember. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> and again, something almost classical and earnest in the uh, the stew and jade come on, thing. Come on, Which for... I, I gotta go. Okay. Again, small thing I don't think we remarked on. I quite like <laughs> Alan's fixation on Phil. Like, the fact that Alan is very obviously, like, tolerates Stu and is at times resentful of Stu... Um, but is fixated on on Phil um, to the point of like mimicking him um, and the point of consistently wanting his approval which is it's fascinating again it's I don't think it's anything that the movies ever directly engage with or confront but it's always there uh, which is a nice detail Again, something somebody has pointed out is that, like many of uh, Phillips's movies, you could argue are kind of road trippy, uh, at least in sense that, like, you have this is the big one due date that he kind of follows it up with as well is also arguably a road trip as well. I don't know if there's anything thematically there. Um, it's just that the road trip is a solid comedy template that allows you a set of kind of characters, episodic adventures, and allows you a way into and out of scenes. But uh, brides are brides wearing like kind of like team. Bright t-shirts in the morning up there. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, what's up, Alan? Woo! Whoa, And again, you could argue there that there is some of um, some of uh, Phillips's punk references there in terms of soundtrack choices as well. Um, and again, like not not to, not to sell Phillips too short or too high, but it's uh, like he did found the underground New York documentary film festival, so he does have some sense of bona fides um, as a filmmaker in the community, even before he made something like Joker, for example, which got the Oscar nomination. Sorry, MapQuest took us on a really crazy route. <laughs> MapQuest took us on a crazy route. Yeah. 
How's my hair? It looks good. Does it go like Phil's? It's classic Phil. <laughs> she looks beautiful, man. And naturally, everybody very accepting and unquestioning of what happened. Uh, but no, again, very, very traditional, very old-fashioned. It's weird. Americans do have that attitude to Vegas, though. But again, the idea is that Vegas started out as a, as a troop stopover and place like that. And again, if you want to get all pretentious, eat there any nonsense on it, the idea of the, oh, de- I, yeah, the desert as the semi-spiritual that. place, you know, where you kind of discover yourself and you find yourself... The desert forgets and the desert hey, remembers. Hey, yeah. Um, the idea that... Crushed. Yeah, the idea that there's nothing in the desert but what you bring. Which, again, you know, notable that you're... And again, not to, not to put too much into the movie. Take it to the candy shop. This is Todd Phillips kind of... Um, Staple, though. It's that... Um, he's in, like, um, a lot of these movies. Like, he's in Starsky and Hutch. And yeah. Which is a movie we haven't talked about a lot, actually, in terms of <laughs> Phillips' filmography for very obvious reasons. Um, Starsky and Hutch, possibly one of the worst of that kind of wave of... Uh... I love Starsky Did you? Okay, I'm yeah. sorry. I'm sorry. No, why are you sorry? I mean, it's, it's okay me. to have, like... A strong it's opinion. It's okay for me to like it, and it's okay for you not to like it. Daddy! Hey, my man. Excuse me, I was... but I'm expecting my husband any minute. Very funny. Come here! And again, the idea that Phil comes back... Again weirdly like for a movie that has a reputation for being bitter and acerbic and cynical notable that like phil comes back and he seems like the movie seems to present his embrace of his wife and child who he basically spent the movie trash talking wanting to escape wanting to get away from as something sincere and earnest as a character journey uh, which is interesting because again you think of the movie as being colder cynical brutal darker nihilistic at the end you have the payoff of the feel good okay that is disgusting. Why haven't you returned my calls? Well, there was a snafu in when we stopped. I called that bed and breakfast in Napa. They said they had no record of you even checking in. That's because we didn't go to Napa. Stu? What the f- We went to Las Vegas. Oh, really? Las Vegas? Why Guess you could say he's been stewing in resentment. Stu? Because he's would you Really? Well, then yes. why did I do it? Huh? Because I did it. Riddle me that. Why'd I do it? You know, sometimes I think all you want me to do is what you want me to do. I'm sick of doing what you want me to do all the time. I think in a healthy relationship, sometimes a guy should be able to do what he wants to do. That is not how this works! Oh, good! Because whatever this is, ain't working for me. Oh, really? Yeah. Again, the inspirational close-up on Bradley Cooper smiling and Phil watching. Boom! Tell me it was a bartender. Oh, you're right. I stand corrected. It was a bartender. You bartender. You're an idiot. You're a you. Uh, you're such a bad person. Like all the way through to your core. Alan, should we dance? Let's do this. This is it now. Isn't yeah, it? that's pretty much it. <laughs> We're about done. Um, Anything you want to plug? <laughs> uh, no, I'm all good. I think we have some movement downstairs as well. Um, we do indeed. Uh, oh, who is down? 
They're being very quiet. <laughs> People are avoiding. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Rightly. Quite rightly, quite deservedly so. Very cannot sanction our buffoonery, to quote <laughs> Mr. Tommy Lee Jones. Uh, and before we close, then we should note as well that the um, the closing credits, and again, arguably a very traditional style of closing credits, and that they evoke the classic blooper reel, which has been a fixture of American comedies, particularly from the eighties. Uh, but the idea of like actually showing the the photos from the night in question, uh, which is something that they came up with while they were filming it. So they came up with the idea of just shooting them as they were making the movie and it became one of the movie's signature uh, bits in fact the only part of the movie that uh, galifianakis is uncomfortable with is the sequence in which he uh, is receiving oral sex um from a, a local um i believe she's a local sex worker as well local porn star she was as well um and apparently yeah he was like i don't want that in the movie and todd phillips was like too bad you agreed to shoot it um <laughs> you waived your your right um but uh yeah and uh we talked about the, the presence of, of male genitalia. It's a prosthetic, apparently. Just to be clear. That is not Zach Galvanikas' real penis. Oh, we'll see you in a moment. We will indeed, just as this kicks off. All right. Oh, dear Lord. That's classic. And with that, the, the movie is over. We're listening to Right Round. Uh, I don't know if we talk over the credits or what the deal is, but... Uh, yeah, yeah, all right, so... Uh, but what is... Uh, so what would you recommend? What are you up to? What's, what's the plan? Um, things that I've kind of been um, doing, you know, watching lately, um, um, or listening to. I finished the the Empress Dowager Churchy. Um, oh, it's like on the blood, which is um, Jung Chang, who people know from like Wild Swans. Um, oh, by the way, I love Waters. that Stu pulled out his own tooth. That's the big reveal because, again, <laughs> these are terrible people whose terrible He's decisions are all their own. Yeah, he made quite a dent uh, in this. Anyway, sorry. No, uh, it's a biography of um, the Empress Dowager Churchy of um, China. It's Carrot Top <laughs> doing cocaine. <laughs> I lo- Do you reckon Carrot Top is at all resentful of the fact that he isn't in the movie? Uh. <laughs> oh, who's that? No idea. Alright. But, uh, sorry, we should know more about Vegas culture. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I don't know if I can even recommend that book that I just mentioned. <laughs> I, I, it's just that I've read it. Um, but what no. is this prosthesis? <laughs> Wait. There we go. Ah. Yeah. Apparently, <laughs> apparently very pleasant. Um, apparently, like, a wonderful scene to shoot. Apparently, he's gonna, Galifianakis was the most awkward person on set that day. All right, fantastic. So we're, we're wrapping up here. Um, we're gonna, what we're doing at the moment is we did ambitiously try to bank as many episodes as we could ahead of the, the thing. Didn't all work out. So wedding. we're doing the wedding, the, <laughs> the thing, thing, the thing. Uh, the wedding, which happened yesterday. Well, first of all, I would like to, to wish, obviously, you and Bettina the best of luck. I would hope that by this stage I've done it in person. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but no, I do. Um, and obviously, we didn't get everything banked out of time, so we're doing a two-on-one-off two on, strategy. So two a schedule. So we're doing two episodes and then it's taking a week. It's free, yeah. Why, like, <laughs> if you want to complain. <laughs> <laughs> please address the stamp address envelope. I think it's a reasonable thing to do. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a week off, um, and then we'll be back. We need... 
need to figure out what the hell is happening with Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, which is probably going into the 250. But we will be back with um, the two train spottings. We're doing both train spottings. And we're doing them back to back, actually. So that'll be the the plan. So thank you very much, Andrew. Um, This was an insane idea. I'm not sure it was a good one, but uh, (laughs) ah, that's grand. It's free. It happened. It's all good. All right. And there you go. See? Uh, the American, American Humane, Humane monitored the animal action. No animals were harmed. Yeah. Yeah. And we're, 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 we're down to the end of the crowd. Wow, that's actually pretty good. We've done we've pretty, pretty decent. Pretty good. I, I like when like movies ought to kind of like do something interesting with the credits. Just, to keep you watching. It, it doesn't feel very long. Right? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's arguably one of the things about the, the Marvel post-credit scenes is the idea that at least they get people watching or sitting down. Yeah, I approve. Watching. Yeah. I, in hindsight, I've come to appreciate the five... You should watch the credits. Yeah, well, I mean, they worked on the movie. The least you can do is read and memorize all their names. All right. their names and their babies. (laughs) If you're watching a Pixar movie. All right, so distributed by Warner Brothers. All right, take it easy, guys. Uh, We'll be back in two weeks. Bye. Bye.